0: This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler, General Manager at WZIP. Joining me today, Dr. David Cohen. He's a professor of political science, also a fellow at the Racy Bliss Institute of, of Applied Politics and the director of the Applied Politics Program program. Uh, here at the university. Well, welcome back, Dave. You've been on the show, you know, a few times, I think.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. I'm a, I'm a veteran, I'd like to consider yeah. myself for this show.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to be talking today, obviously, about politics and, and you know, things are, uh, I, I think it might be fair to say, you tell me if I'm wrong, maybe heating up a little bit earlier than normal when we're looking toward November. Do you think that's accurate?
1: Oh, I, I think that's accurate. I mean, I, you know, do things ever cool down at this point?
0: In, well, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, <laughs>
1: 2016, uh, yeah. but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, we're we're past the the primaries. Um, you know, which uh, for the most part in Ohio occurred. Um, you know, earlier this spring. Of course, we have some primary elections coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the state legislative races, um, and you know, we've got some very important races, uh, general election races in November.
0: Right. And let's, you know, for people who don't pay real close attention or might not, uh, you know, realize you know what exactly is sort of up for grabs. Um, right now, uh, Democrats, if we're, if we're looking federal level, Democrats have a very thin majority in the House. Um, it's a 50-50 split in the Senate. So obviously, Vice President Harris comes into play as a tiebreaker. Uh, we have, you know, all the seats in Congress are up. 35 seats in the Senate uh, are up. And also we're electing 36 governors Uh, this November. So really and not to mention a lot of other things too. So really a lot going on. And I'd like to break some of those down in a few moments, but it would really, um, we'd be remiss not to talk about the fact that we had, you know, one major, major Supreme Court decision handed down recently. Obviously that's Roe versus Wade. And you know, the, the mantra that we're hearing from so many people right now is go vote, 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 vote. That's the way If you don't like something that's happening, that's how you should solve that problem. First of all, Dave, do you think that because of that decision that there will be higher voter turnout, regardless of of which way those people decide to vote on different things?
1: Yeah, I do. I do believe that uh, there will be higher turnout. I think there will be higher turnout on the Democratic side because of the decision. Um, You know, in midterm elections, traditionally, the president's party, has a real problem with turnout because um you know the base is just not enthusiastic to get out there you know they're they're angry at the president for not coming through with some of the promises uh you know that they've made on the campaign trail and so traditionally midterm elections are tough for the president's party well you know the supreme court gave uh, the democratic party a huge gift um when it overturned uh, roe versus wade in the dobbs decision um it, you know it Personally, I think it's a terrible thing, you know, for the country and for uh, women's rights. Um, however, uh, it, politically speaking only, I think it's, its like I said, it's a political gift to the uh, the Democratic Party. I think, um, you know, Democrats are, are going to be much more enthused uh, and angry, uh, and uh, they're, they're going to go out and they're going to vote. I think women in general uh, that care about uh, abortion rights and, and you know, privacy rights and rights to their own bodies, they're going to be uh, incentivized to go out and to vote. Um, and, uh, you know, not just women, but, you know, men who care about these issues uh, as well. And so I think it's going to be a great motivating factor, uh, you know, for the left and for the Democratic Party in general.
0: You know if we were to throw in the mix, which which we really can, um the fact that we have, you know, as you said, a Democrat president in office, usually that's going to you know help the other party, in this case, Republican Party, with some of those seats in Congress. But we also have a president whose approval ratings are are not so great, and that's not just among the Republicans. The Democrats are also, you know, largely unhappy with Joe Biden's performance. Um, is is that going to, you know factor into some of the stuff that you were just explaining?
1: Um, You know, it it certainly could, uh, although Joe Biden's uh, name isn't on the ballot. And and that may be the big difference this this particular time. Uh, You know, it's going to be, as you said, uh, gubernatorial races, Senate races, state legislative races, um, uh, congressional races. And so Biden's not going to be on the ballot, but certainly his numbers are uh, abysmal uh, and there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. And if you see Democratic consultants and, and and loyalists on television or. Um, you know, on on the Internet saying that uh, it's it's nothing to worry about. Uh, It's a big thing to worry about if you are a Democrat uh, and if you are a Biden supporter or if you're someone that, uh, you know, votes, um, you know, traditionally with the Democratic Party. His numbers are terrible. Uh, And, you know, the uh, numbers on the economy, especially inflation, are not helping his numbers. And so we know, political scientists know, that historically the worst that the president's approval rating is, Um, You know, the harder it is for the president's party in those midterm elections and unless Biden very quickly turns around his uh, his approval ratings um, and, you know, gets inflation uh, under control, um, it's it it could be a very dark day uh, for Democrats, especially when we're talking about things like the United States House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things don't hold quite as much for the United States Senate. If we're just talking about the U.S. House, uh, it's going to be difficult for Democrats to hold on, especially after we've gone through a uh, every every state has gone through a round of gerrymandering and redistricting, uh, and which has significantly uh, favored uh, Republicans this time around. Uh, So, you know, that's that's definitely something that pushes against uh, you know the enthusiasm uh, and the energy coming from the Dobbs decision.
0: I would imagine you know you were just saying a few moments ago that. That those those Supreme Court decisions might be incentivizing Democrats to vote, um, presumably for Democrats, um, probably Independents. You know, if they also are in agreement with, or I guess, you know, disagree with what the Supreme Court has done, um, they might be incentivized to vote. I'm wondering, what what do you think the Republicans are thinking? Are they thinking this is an an opportunity? um, I, I guess to continue the push that they've been, you know, trying to make really. Ever since Donald Trump left office,
1: yeah, I mean, certainly there are going to be some Republicans that are, are thinking, you know, let's you know, we've had some victories, let's keep it going. Uh, but I think, you know, th- that for a lot of conservatives, uh, you know, they've gotten a lot of victories, uh, you know, especially with these Sup- Supreme Court decisions. Uh, and I'm not sure that's going to motivate them to go out and, and vote harder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, like you hear President Biden telling Democrats and Independents to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know that that could have uh, the opposite effect. Also, you know, you've got these um, the January 6th hearings, uh, which have taken place uh, this summer, which have really not helped. Um, you know, the uh, Make America Great <laughs> movement. Um, uh, you know, and and Donald Trump looked very good. Uh, and and I and I think um, you know you're seeing. Some some splintering and some uh, you know dissension within the ranks there, which could potentially have an, a negative impact on turnout on the conservative side. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's pretend that the what you're saying you know happens, and that the Democrats you know might not maintain that majority in the House, regardless of what happens in the Senate. I guess. Um, what does that say for the second half of the Biden administration's Term, you know, as president.
1: Yeah. Well, it means any legislative agenda is dead, uh, and and there wasn't much of a legislative agenda to begin with, to be honest, because you know there's a 50 50 split in the U.S. Senate, and you have two Democratic senators who have made it very difficult uh, to get anything from uh, Biden's uh, agenda passed. So I, it, it would it would officially be the death knell for any kind of um, agenda coming from the Biden White House. It would also mean you know that uh, you know the 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 the, um, the chair positions for all the committees um, would return into Republican hands or be a Republican Speaker of the House. the um, January 6th uh, committee would be disbanded immediately. Uh, and um, uh, you would see a lot more oversight uh, in terms of the Biden white house uh, this this time. And um, it would not surprise me if the House Republican majority would move very quickly. Uh, to try and impeach um, President Biden uh, as as payback uh, for President Trump's two impeachments.
0: Let's talk about the Senate for a moment. Um, here in Ohio, um, Senator Rob Portman, a Republican, is is retiring. He announced that quite quite some time ago. We have Tim Ryan, a Democrat, taking on JD Vance, Republican. What do you see happening there?
1: Well, I, you know, it's it's going to be a, a very close race. Um, uh, I think some people have been surprised uh, that the polls have, have shown that Tim Ryan is uh, seems to be neck and neck or even leading uh, this race because I think there is a perception out there, and I don't know how true the perception is, that Ohio is, has become a, a, a solidly loyal Republican state. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that, and uh, I think Sherrod Brown's victory in 2018 for re-election to the U.S. Senate you know, demonstrates that you know, it is not a solidly red state. Uh, it's going to be one of the most watched races in the country, uh, and I'm pretty confident in saying that if Tim Ryan wins uh, this seat in Ohio, that Democrats will retain their majority in the United States Senate, um, uh, because, you know, if he wins, I think uh, the, the Democratic candidate uh, wins in uh, Pennsylvania, um, they win in Arizona, they win in Georgia, and potentially win in Wisconsin, and I think you know, if, if, if Tim Ryan, uh, the Democrat, is able to win uh, in Ohio, um, I think Democrats would potentially be looking at a, a two or three-seat uh, uh, net uh, pickup.
0: It seems like Tim Ryan has, is, is, is doing well in trying to position himself as somebody who is saying, yes, I am a Democrat, but, you know, I, I don't work for the party. I, I work for you. And he's been pointing out, you know, things that he's done that, that weren't exactly in line with his party and that... I think there was a a trade bill he voted uh, in favor of that was actually, you know, on the on the Donald Trump agenda. And you can't help but look at some of those things as being, you know, a pretty slick strategy um, to, you know, to let people know who who he is and and what he might do in that position.
1: You know, without a doubt, and he's running the kind of race that you need to run in Ohio as a Democrat, Uh, you know, somebody that's appealing to working class voters. Uh, somebody that is showing that he is not a puppet of, of his party and someone that will, uh, you know, try to represent all parts of Ohio, uh, you know, the, the, the blue urban centers uh, as well as the red rural areas. And, and you know, for, for a state like Ohio, that's how you have to campaign and, and, and that's that's how you have to position yourself. You know, Ohio is, is, is not Massachusetts, for example, it's not Vermont. Uh, and it takes a different kind of Democrat to be able to appeal statewide and win a statewide election here. What do you um,
0: see happening with uh, seats in the House from Ohio?
1: Well, um, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of surprises. the uh, The map that the Republican majority drew uh, here in Ohio is heavily gerrymandered. Uh, It's even more gerrymandered than it was, um, you know, than the the current uh, gerrymandered maps uh, that we have already. Uh, And what it means is, um, you know, the Republican majority has essentially uh, ensured that they will stay, not only stay in the majority, but they will probably have uh, super majorities uh, in both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, which means they completely um, uh, control the agenda uh, and the Democratic minority in uh, both of those chambers have very little power and have very little ability uh, to even delay that agenda.
0: you know, Speaking of Columbus, uh, mentioned mentioned there are several uh, gubernatorial races across the country. That does include Ohio. Governor DeWine is running for re-election. Nan Whaley is the uh, Democrat opponent. Um, I, everything I'm seeing so far points toward uh, Governor DeWine, you know, probably in the lead, at least right now, of course, a lot can happen between now and November. We've seen it before. You think it's going to stay that way?
1: Um, you know, it's it's it really is hard to predict. I think, um, uh, you know, Mayor Whaley's uh, challenge has been to introduce herself to the rest of the state. She's a well-known figure in southwest uh, Ohio, having been the mayor of Dayton uh, for a couple of terms. Uh, but people in the rest of the state really don't know her that well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it'll be a really interesting test to see how the Dobbs decision plays in Ohio statewide. Uh, because even before that Supreme Court decision, uh, Mayor Whaley was running on that issue uh, and, and talking about the threat to, to women and to abortion rights. Uh, and, and we'll see if she is able to elevate it um, you know, here in Ohio. And, you know, the Ohio legislature is doing her favors, um, uh, you know, potentially, uh, if they uh, take an already draconian uh, abortion, anti-abortion law that's in place right now that, that you know, became uh, legal after the Dobbs decision, uh, which allows uh, abortions, uh, you know, before six weeks. Um, and, you know, the legislature currently is talking about Uh, Having uh, it be a full and complete um, abortion ban from the moment of uh, conception, so um, you know that that puts that issue really on the agenda for the uh, for the 2022 campaign. Uh, I know the Whaley campaign is going to you know talk about it uh, every chance they get, and you know it's like I said, it's going to be a good test to see how much resonance that issue has with Ohioans.
0: It seems like that recognition factor is, you know, really, really going to be difficult to overcome for so many people, particularly in this election. Not only is the governor an incumbent, he was a well-known political figure prior to that, um, but then also with COVID, um, you know, he was on TV every single day for how many weeks And whether you liked it or not, you know, kind of what he was about. You got very used to him, his personality, the way he communicates, you know, all of those types of things. And that would be pretty tough for anybody to go against, I would think. Yeah. You're not not wrong
1: about, yeah, you're not wrong about governor DeWine's uh, name recognition. I mean, he's, he's about as well-known a figure in Ohio uh, as there is. The interesting thing is though, um, You know, he he lost a lot of popularity among Republicans and among conservatives during his COVID response. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that the the right are are the people that began calling him dictator DeWine, uh, you know, for instituting measures that he thought would keep Ohioans safe. Uh, And he he actually gained a lot of popularity among Democrats um, and independents, but he lost a lot of popularity among Republicans. He did win the Republican primary. But not overwhelmingly. Uh, And he had two opponents that really split the vote against him. Uh, And so the big challenge for Governor DeWine is, you know, will some of those Republicans uh, either stay home or leave, you know, the the gubernatorial race blank on the ballot when they go to vote? Uh, Because, um, you know, there are there are some conservatives that will never forgive him uh, for what they thought was, uh, you know, overreach from the from the governor's mansion.
0: Reminding our listeners, this is Zips Unlimited, 88.1 FM, WZIP. My name is Chris Kepler, General Manager at WZIP. Dr. David Cohen, Professor of Political Science, is joining me. We're um, talking about uh, November elections and and some of the different factors. And, And really, Dave, it seems like, you know, every election cycle, we hear about how this is the most important one ever, or we hear about how, well, this particular thing changes everything, but... And, and and we have some obvious things that, that link to those kinds of statements. But I think that we have that almost every time, don't we? Is this one really a lot different or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, since I've been doing this for a living, uh, every election seemed to be the most important in our lifetime. Um, but some of the recent ones do seem to be uh, ever in, more increasingly important. <laughs> As we go on, and I think, you know, this election and the election we're going to have in 2024 is, you know, going to be some of the most important in our lifetime, simply because our parties and our candidates are so polarized right now. It really, whoever is in control will have a, be able to have a vast impact on the direction of our state and the direction of our country. You know, we can see that right now through the judicial appointments uh, that have been made by successive presidents. Um, these judicial appointments uh, you know, stay on the bench far longer than any particular president is in office. Those three Republican conservatives that Donald Trump appointed to the Supreme Court are responsible for overturning, you know precedent, not just in the Dobbs uh, abortion case decision, uh, but a whole number of other decisions that are going to have a vast impact uh, on our life uh, in the United states and and in Ohio. Uh, And you can see the ripple effects, too, because you can see, you know, what the state legislatures are doing as a response to some of those, um, you know, Supreme Court decisions. And so uh, it's very important who controls, for example, the U.S. Senate and gets to confirm justices. It's very important, you know, who controls, uh, you know, not only the Congress, but the state legislatures and, you know, the governors. The governor of our state signs the bills coming out of, um, you know, the the state legislature here. And if the state legislature has a... um, uh, you know, has a supermajority, they can even override the the governor's uh, you know veto if need be. And so, yes, it matters uh, who who we elect in these positions matter. They have a dramatic impact on on people's lives. Whether you're paying attention to politics or not, it it has a dramatic impact uh, on your on your daily life.
0: You know, whether whether we're talking the state or federal level, um, what are your thoughts about? Whether it, it, it makes sense, whether it's good, I guess, for lack of a better term, to have a balance of power, you know, where where one party doesn't control everything. Or is it just a, a stalemate and nothing gets done at all?
1: Well, uh, you know, it, it used to be uh, a couple of decades ago that that, um, that balance of power, you know, where uh, we had, um, uh, you know, divided government, things got done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the leaders of each party were able to reach across the aisle and they were able to get things done. That is not the case anymore. We are now in a position where when we have uh, divided government, it's it's a virtual stalemate. I mean, and even, you can even see it right now, the, the, the Democratic Party, you know, with Joe Biden at the national level, control, um, you know, the Congress, they control uh, the executive branch. Uh, but because of just even... Uh, two members of their own party, they're they're able to, uh, you know, make everything stagnate. Our our system is built with checks and balances, and it's much easier to prevent things from getting done than it is to to actually uh, get things done. Um, And that's kind of been the hallmark of our country and our stability all these years. But uh, right now, we are so polarized as a nation that when we do have divided government, Nothing gets done even, you know, when the country is facing some really, really serious uh, issues uh, that, that, you know, we can't just put our heads in the sand and, and say, you know, nothing, nothing bad is going to happen. I mean, you know, I'm talking about stuff like, for example, climate change, you know, when we know that there are issues that need to be addressed um, and, and yet we can't address them uh, because, um, you know, our, our, our uh, system is not functioning. How do
0: we get past that polarization? I mean, I, I don't know that that can be done by you know just who's living in the White House or or just any one other thing, or or is it something that simple?
1: I I don't know how we get past the polarization, and and the, you know the the thing is you know if you've been watching the January sixth hearings, um, you know you had a president in power, uh, you have uh, uh, you know people in in, um, you know, one party uh, that I'm not sure believe in democracy or representative government anymore. I mean, the, the one, one of the big lessons of the January 6th hearings is that um, you had a president and, and, and people in Congress and people that worked in the White House that were actively participating uh, in, you know, what political scientists would call a self-coup. Uh, in other words, trying to do things in order to keep themselves in power. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's hard to fix uh, a system together when you have uh, a number of people working within that system that, that don't believe in that political system uh, and would do anything simply to maintain power. And so I don't know. I don't have any answers uh, on how we actually get past this. Um, all I know is our American democracy is in real trouble now. Um, you know, we've seen the warning signs. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I worry, you know, January 6th was a huge red flag, obviously. Uh, our, and I don't think a lot of your listeners realize how close our government was to falling um, and, and, you know, how close it was uh, that the transition of power uh, was to not happening. Um, and that, that's a real red flag. And I'm not convinced that it, something like that won't happen again in our future.
0: Before we close today, um, I'd like to get some information out to listeners, whether they're perhaps students at this university who are thinking about studying something different or they're undecided or prospective students who might attend the University of Akron who are maybe considering studying uh, political science. Um, why, why might they do that? What, what kinds of jobs are they setting themselves up for if they were to pursue um, one of your degrees?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, first of all, all of our degree programs are great at the University of Akron. I especially like, you know, degrees uh, in the uh, arts and the sciences um, because I think political science, just like uh, in the School of Communication and, and other, um, you know, departments that are within uh, arts and science, they really, they teach, you, we teach you critical thinking and critical analysis and how to be able to think. Um, and that, I think, is valuable in any particular job that you go into. Um, and, um, I, I think for somebody going to political science, you can't really pick a more interesting time, uh, to go into it and, and really a more important time to go into it. We need to be building, uh, we need to be creating good citizens. Uh, and I, and I think, um, you know, when you, when you get a political science degree, I think one of the things that, that, that we, we hope to teach you is how to be a good citizen and, um. Uh, And to understand how our government works, how our civil society works, uh, and, and, you know, how you can make a difference in it.
0: Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM.